Welcome back to another episode of Tales from Corporate, hosted by Maria and Elise. Each week, we bring you our tales and perspectives on trending topics around work in corporate America, because life can often truly be stranger than fiction. Be sure to share Tales from Corporate. Listen, download, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This week's tale is about the big quit. What is the big quit? You may have seen an article here and there in your newsfeed that might be on social media. Hearing all over the place, maybe family members, maybe neighbors talking about leaving their job. I'm assuming it's being called big to imply massive because it's post quarantine and there's all these labor issues and changes. What do you think, Maria? I think it's speaking to ultimately Mother Nature just said have several seats. And so when people were um, forced to change their life on a dime without advance notice, set up work from home, begin to be surrounded by their family, their children, their extended family while working from home, and then coming to grips with a global pandemic, we all as society were forced to ask ourselves, what's really important in life? What am I doing with my life? How am I living my life? And what quality of life could I maintain given this tectonic change that happened to us? I mean, everything from the massive commutes. I know I feel great shame in the amount of dollars I spent on Starbucks and breakfasts that I bought out and lunch that I bought out and dinner that I bought, all of that. How do I do this differently now that I've got a taste of, of different? And for some people, it's meant, and I love this term for the phenomenon, the big quit. So for some people, they said, to, to hell with all of that. I'm not going to pay for parking and pay for all those lunches, pay in terms of the time part. All this time, I'm away from my family, which also predicated into paying for childcare. I'm not gonna pay to have the emotional toll that my maybe toxic workplace took on me. Or I'm gonna start that business that I've always wanted to start, winkity wink, because <laughs> as we started this new podcast. I think the good question is, well, what's going on? I think that's what's going on, is we were forced to reassess our lives and we had more time to do so. For those of us who had office jobs, who had that privilege, and I'll always say this, it, it is a privilege to have been able to work from home against the thinking of a lot of leaders. A lot of organizations thought they would never, ever see the day because they didn't think that workers could be productive at home. Well, we've been proven wrong. They didn't think that the they could support the technology to support certain functions from an at-home basis, or there are privacy issues with at-home basis. Well, under an emergency, we had to figure it all out, right? So all those things that corporate America said we couldn't do, guess what? Under duress, we did. And now people are scratching their heads like, well, if, if those things were true, then why should I believe other things that you're telling me? And the results for some people are they're not coming back into the office. They're not coming back 
to the firms, they're going to log off permanently for jobs that will allow them to continue to work to the new place that they've moved to. That's a better cost of living and they have more space for themselves, for their families and just to breathe. That's something that I don't know that organizations have yet embraced. Some have been forced to because it, like you talk about the restaurant industry, it's acute there where they're just understaffed. But in corporate, I think we're going to see some change that I'm not sure that organizations are ready for, but in thinking about who should kind of be careful from the worker standpoint are us workers who have not been staying on top of our skills. We haven't been increasingly learning, credentialing, getting certified and taking coursework and getting additional degrees. So if you decide to leave, it's scary, but don't worry, you'll be in good company. Do you have any thoughts on that, Elise? Well, yeah, uh, I'm going to take it back a little bit. <laughs> LinkedIn, <laughs> little sidebar on LinkedIn, moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. I didn't realize how serious people take their LinkedIn. The culture is thick here as far as updating. It is your calling card and it is used. I feel like the East Coast trailed a little bit with adopting LinkedIn as like work culture and using it. Whereas the way you have to update your CV, if you will, and your LinkedIn profile, it's completely two different styles, the two different coasts. Uh, <laughs> but that's a whole nother episode for another day. I will say evaluation and time to evaluate, of course. We knew we'd be here. I just think that there's no allegiance. Why should I, why should I be invested in the corporation anymore? I think it's multifaceted. People witnessed either some corporations that they worked for, their slow, slow action precautions to COVID in the office, their slow movement to getting work from home rolled out. Many people had to push for that. You know, it's just like any relationship. You have to push for important things. It kind of stays with you, right? And then some people who didn't even have the liberty or the luxury of working from home, they were on the front lines and they had to fight about mask culture and not to wear a mask, but it really was about protecting oneself, feeling protected, right? Feeling like you were cared about, feeling like you were not alone. And now that everything comes out in the wash, People saying, you know, I have to care for myself. I have to look out for myself. The company, the corp is not, you know? And if people say, I've given this place 10 years, I've given this place five years, I think it's time to move on. And honestly, also, there's so many different factors here. It's easier to interview if you have the liberty of working from home. You don't have to worry about covering or taking off and using PTO or sick day to go to another interview because you really want to get out. I mean, we've all been there where you physically feel ill and the minute that you decide to leave, you feel so much better inside. You can sleep, you can eat well. So it really is, I hate to say the word because people hate it, but wellness, it is. It's an overall wellness, your mental health, your physical health, all of it. Stress comes in many different forms and I think the average worker is like, you know what? take this job and, and shove it. 
I mean, that's a song too, but <laughs> and a saying, but people really do feel that way. And I'm not surprised that we are here at this point with the reckoning and people are saying, you know what? Some people want to work remotely and move and relocate. And others, it's just like, you know, it's time to go. It's time to move on. I never wanted to be a UX designer. You know, people say, you know what? I really want to be working over here and designing clothing. People are just switching overall feels as well, Maria. What do you think? Just the, the, they're seizing the moment. They're seizing the day to make big leaps that maybe they would never have made before or taken years to. And I kind of feel like it's it's a lot of the you only live once kind of thing where people were literally afraid. People were dying last year. And they're like, you know, I don't want to die in this job. No, I completely agree. I mean, beyond the, you know, facetious YOLO, he came to a point where people were dying and not just dying. It was, we couldn't do what we wanted to do. You literally couldn't go out to certain places and not wear a mask. You couldn't travel. You couldn't see your friends. You couldn't have a wedding. Like, no matter if you pay for the deposit or not, by the way, and shout out to those places who kept the deposit. <laughs> shout out to y'all. Just going to leave it there. <laughs> but it, it, I, I'm picking up what you put down because people felt like I don't want to die with those dreams inside me. And I, while it was atrocious what was happening last year, I knew it was coming. I knew that this would force for those who survived, this would force innovation, this out of necessity, out of additional time that was never planned, but had been plopped into people's laps. It would force people to do the things that they realized they would need to do so that they could survive, so that they could retire, so that they can create that legacy for some folks. I saw it as just an amazing, overwhelming time. And I think that that's how a lot of people have taken it. And I applaud those people who are switching gears to another career, because why not? You can always, you know, potentially go back to your original career, but you won't have gotten that out of your system until you've tried it. You know, in the tech industry, they say fail fast. That's a good thing. But in reality, very successful entrepreneurs always talk about how they fail fat, you know, the age old story about the light bulb and how many hundreds of tries it took to creating the light bulb. Yeah, maybe it sounds hokey now that I've lived out in Los Angeles for over a decade, unbelievably, because, you know, that was never the original plan. But I, like looking back, it's just so weird, like, because it's been all good. Yeah, looking forward, People have been given a new lease on life that they never even planned to have in certain ways. And I'm sorry, you can take it negatively. And I talk to a lot of people who can't see the silver lining for nothing. All they can see is what they can't do, what we're not allowed to do, what we still can't do, what they lost, what is not available to them, and on and on and on. If, if you're a person like that, then God bless you. But there's a saying, how do you expect a happy ending to your life if all you focus on is the drama and the negative? 
Or we can also talk about, I'm going to just add to that, the uh, many employees are always in a constant state of fear. I don't think we've ever addressed that on our show. No, we haven't. I worked my prior assignment before this one that I'm currently in. There were many people I befriended and they were in a constant state of fear. These were people who, sweet as apple pie, I might even carpool with them, which is how we got closer. We lived in the same neighborhood and I was actually called an interloper because I'm not natively from this area of in LA. But to bring it back, they didn't have the extra money to invest in the 401k plan, even though the match there was quite handsome. It was one of the only handsome things about that particular assignment. But they had children. And when the pandemic started, they were given gloves, masks, and sanitizer, and still had to be on the front line at that particular business, that corporation. And they felt very unprotected, although they did have these apparatuses, but they were not given any other further protections. The, the company fought putting up the glass. They thought that would negatively impact the customers, so they didn't want to do that. And they just felt like, well, who's looking out for us? Meanwhile, the board, the C-suite, and even middle management, they all ran home. They were able to work from home, but the people at the very, very bottom, no. Same corporation, but different treatment. And before the pandemic occurred, they were so scared, but it was a little slavish, if you will, of not wanting to make the leap and get out, even for their children, even for their family. And all they talked about, their misery, their source of frustration was the job. And I would just try to cheer them on and say, you know, it doesn't hurt to go see, go look, take an interview, talk to people you used to work with. That's always one of the best ways to talk to people you used to work with to network there and, and get another job. And they wouldn't, they were turning down offers. And then when it took the pandemic and they saw how they were being treated by the corporation, they snapped. And then I started getting text messages because I had moved on to a new assignment. And they were like, I'm leaving. It's a step up, a level up. And I'm getting paid like 1.5 times more than what I was getting paid over here. Like, why did I stay so long? People have been trying to give me that job for the last two years. But fear is fear and it gets in your head. It's inception, it takes control of you, it paralyzes you, and it usually takes some moment of great impact to snap you out of that. And I think for, for many people, that moment of great impact was the pandemic. What do you think? Wow, wow, wow. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, <sighs> I know so many people who, you know, they were doing the best they could, or they were just, you know, hanging in there. And for one reason or another, they were either not acknowledged, they were under, under promoted, they were underpaid, you know, whatever else. They leave the firm. Maybe it'll take them a couple weeks. Sometimes they have the job before they leave the firm. But even for those who didn't, man, they would come back and some of them had C-suite level titles. <laughs> a different firm. 
And it's easy to think, well, that's them. That would never happen to me. Well, if you are steady in a state of fear and believe me, believe me, I've been there. I've been there. I've spent years there. If you stay in that place and don't tap into some of the resources that very well could be available to you, whether it's you know, reaching out to a mentor outside of your firm. That's very important. That's very important. Someone outside of your firm who you feel you can talk to or a therapist or a family member that you trust who, you know, they've been winning in corporate and you're just like, hey, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be real straight with you. I'm stuck. It's okay to say that because it may feel very uncomfortable. You may have no motivation to do it, but that will cost you. And then you'll end up looking around at other folks saying, wow, they, oh, it, they got hooked up with being paid 1.5 times more. No, no, no. That very well could be you. Like from my own experience, when I, the first step was realizing, look, it's probably not as serious as you're, as you're making it. That, that survival mode, as if we're in the wilds, it's probably not that deep. And this time in particular, more than any other time in decades, it's easier than ever, as you were saying, Elise, to interview. It's easier than ever to network and nobody's looking over your shoulder. Nobody's peeping over to see who you're talking to. Go get it. The dip in the hallway. That's my favorite. I have to step out, dip in the hallway, talk <laughs> the phone. Um, you're running into another conference room so no one can hear you. You know, talk to that recruiter talk to that headhunter, <laughs> talk to the actual hiring manager about the opportunity. And you don't have that fear. It's, it's always like a, you feel a little bit like you're cheating, if you will, sometimes. And, and not everyone has the scheduling or the leisure to schedule it in a way that they're not missed. Because if you're an essential worker and you're working at your employer and you take that time, it's like, oh my God, well, who's going to do this work? You do feel on Front Street, if you will, about interviewing while being at the current job. But I wanna to say to all those listeners that are interviewing, remember to always advocate for yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And to the listeners that have been overlooked, have overstayed, are complacent, or just plain unhappy, free yourself. Good luck and Godspeed till the next episode. Remember to download, follow, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please feel free to leave us a review.